Today's podcast is brought to you by Every Wednesday, a plan to inspire the people of Portland and support the place we call home. Let's get out of the house and spend some time with each other. Skip Zoom, meet for coffee, take your colleagues out to happy hour. Buying a gift? Ditch the internet and support a local maker by shopping in-store. Head into town every Wednesday and see what's going on at everywednesdaypdx.com. Welcome to The Dive Podcast, presented by Willamette Week, where every Saturday we discuss the biggest news stories of the week with Portland's noisiest newsmakers, savviest culturistas, and some of the best journalists in the game. I'm your host, Brianna Wheeler, and I want to hear from you. So send your questions and comments to me, bwheeler at wweek.com. All right, y'all. Enjoy the show. We've got an extra special episode of The Dive on Deck today. I was a contributor to this week's cover package, Mr. Park's Neighborhood, a kind of exploration of Portland's best under-the-radar regions. And I wrote about my own neighborhood, Woodlawn, a charming pocket of Northeast Portland that belies a radical, historically significant chapter of Portland's origin story. So today, rather than gushing over another quadrant's jewels with one of our many top flight contributors, which y'all know that I would love to do, news editor Aaron Mesh will join me to talk more about Woodlawn, the neighborhood that I've called home for nearly 20 years. Go Wildcats! It's Saturday, May 13th, and this is episode 123 of The Dive. Fun fact... When I first moved to Portland from Southern California in 2006, I moved into a house about four blocks away from the house my dad grew up in, unbeknownst to either of us. Unfun fact, my dad's stepdad was a slumlord bigot who owned and rented many homes in Woodland. Another fun fact, now again, um, when my dad married my mom, a black woman in the 70s, my mom literally cured that old bastard of his racism, and then he just became my grandpa. Then my dad came out of the closet and married my stepdad, a Filipino immigrant, and then my grandpa was cool with that too. I was going to chalk that one up to my mom. R.I.P. mother. I digress. Um, My point is, Woodlawn has been through it, and its development may be more than any other areas, tells the story of an isolated rural Portland, a hostile and divided Portland, an oppressed Portland, and now a gentrified Portland that, despite the glossy paint job, has roots, well, roots that run about as deep as a colonizer's roots can run, if you know what I mean, but, you know, uh, what, like a couple of hundred years? Whatever. Go Wildcats. Aaron and I We'll get lost in the Decom Triangle in just one sec. But first, here's what I learned from this week's edition of Willamette Week. Sophie Peel reports that Lamota's owners, when their license was denied in North Bend, painted the building that they bought for their dispensary bubblegum pink and applied for a business license as a 21 and over sex shop named after North Bend's mayor. The sex shop never opened, but the bubblegum pink building remains a pettiest of local eyesores. Nigel Jaquist reports that an attempt to form what would be 
the nation's first union for legislative assistance, is mired in quicksand. According to interviews with a dozen prospective union members, Democratic Party lawmakers are denying staff both overtime pay and the kind of basic workplace protections that unions offer. Michelle Kircherer spoke to Joshua James Amberson about his new essay collection, Staring Contest, Essays About Eyes. Joshua is a brilliant essayist, so if you can swing it, I highly recommend seeing him in conversation with Elena Passarello at Powell's on Burnside. Uh, That's going to happen on May 16th at 7 p.m., and it is free. Okay, Aaron, I'm ready. Interview me. And this is the first neighborhood in Portland you lived in? It's the first and only. How has it changed? Oh my gosh. Well, when we first got here, I felt like this neighborhood was very familiar. I felt like my neighbors looked like my aunts and uncles and my cousins. There was a really like a real community, a tight community feeling here. All the neighbors, we all knew each other. Um, But in 2006, this neighborhood was a lot older. I think the median age of the homeowners were like late 50s, early 60s. So everybody was elderly. So the last decade, we've been watching a lot of our neighbors pass away and a new group of people move into their homes. um, And those people have been overwhelmingly white. So the main change that I've seen in Woodlawn is that um, the demographic change. So it's getting it's getting paler, basically. Oh, my gosh. It got paler. Much younger, too. So I I do feel like this is probably one of the last inner northeast North Portland neighborhoods to gentrify, right? The gentrification that has happened in Woodlawn, I have to say, it is it's a there's a stark difference between what's happening and what has happened in Woodlawn and what has happened in, say, like the Mississippi area or uh, Alberta Arts um, in Woodlawn, like uh, so, Woodlawn was very much its own city for a long time, pre-Portland mm-hmm. even. Um, so there are all these old, amazing old buildings. There's like an old movie theater in my neighborhood. Um, the old firehouse is still there, and it is now a you know a top shelf restaurant. Like all of these original details of this neighborhood not only still exist, but they've been renovated and rejuvenated. So even though like the gentrification has like definitely whitened the area, it seems like that whiteness has come with like the necessary, the necessary amount of guilt to like restore the neighborhood that it was before. You know what I mean? Right. So like there's this, yeah, there's this sense that the people coming in have feel an obligation to the past, even as they're whitewashing the future a little bit. A little bit. Yes. But even for as as um homogenized as the neighborhood has become, there is like when I when I'm meeting like younger new uh residents in the city, there's a lot more diversity now. You know? So like maybe four or five years ago I was like, dang, this neighborhood is getting so white. Huh. Now in the last couple of years I'm like, oh, okay, it feels a little more mixed up and closer to like the working class vibe that it had when I got here. Well, I think what's interesting about that is that the home prices haven't gone down in the last five years. Like the, the, I'm just checking Redfin and median home price is uh, 485,000. Um, I have noticed a lot of older buildings being renovated into multifamily units. 
And so that has changed the landscape as well. And also the amount of ADUs, wait, mm -hmm. ADUs? Yes. Yeah, uh, right. In this neighborhood, outrageous. I prefer to call them mother-in-law apartments. I always will. A lot of mother-in-law apartments in this neighborhood. Um, so that... A lot of, mo of mother-in-laws. <laughs> well, you'd think. Um, so I think that, that kind of like keeps it lively. Um, and I know a lot of them are getting used as Airbnbs, but I see an equal number of them that are actually being used as housing. As gentrification has swept through, um, a lot of the like, I don't know, sketchier areas have kind of been cleaned up. But now is I think Antwerp, it's just known for- the southern, the southernmost, is Antwerp the southernmost tip of this neighborhood? It goes such as North Ainsworth, is that right? Or am I yes. wrong? Ainsworth is okay. the southern- Because I, I lived just a block away from there like a decade ago, but in the Concordia side of Ainsworth. Oh, yes. Concordia is adorable too. Lovely. It is. And now it has this empty campus that used to be a religious college of some kind or another. Can I just tell you, it is the most delicious feeling to walk through there smoking a big fat joint. Oh. I would love to go back to my <laughs> religious college and just walk through <laughs> its empty halls smoking a blunt. That would be just the best experience. Yeah. I do it to honor all of the all the people that pass through the halls. Mm -hmm. I'm curious what you think of people saying things like, I have to leave Woodlawn because it is too dangerous now. I know. I remember reading it and thinking, I remember when that happened. But I just know that my frame of reference is so much different than a lot of the people that live here because I come from like a pretty gnarly metro metropolis. This neighborhood has never felt dangerous because some crazy shit happens every couple of months. Like, doesn't that just, that's all neighborhoods, you know? Um, so people making that noise about this neighborhood's not that safe anymore. I would implore them to go check out some actual unsafe neighborhoods and maybe get some perspective on what, what safety does and does not look like in 2023. So a complete pivot, sort of my last meal question if you could only spend one day in Woodlawn, what's the what's the thing you're going to do? Tell me your itinerary for uh, for that day. If it's, your, if it's your last day in Woodlawn kind of thing. Okay. The last day in Woodlawn. First, I'm starting at the park blocks and I am... What's, what season is it? I think it's fall. Oh, fall. okay. Definitely starting at the park blocks. That's the best season, so we're going to go with that. Um, I'm... Stopping into, I'm walking down the park blocks. I'm cutting through the neighborhoods. I'm checking out all the adorable gingerbread houses. Um, I'm popping over to Black Rose Market because they have some type of mad scientist coffee roasting operation happening there, and it's I will I will die on this hill. It is the best cup of coffee in Portland. So I'm getting a cup of coffee there. Then I'm walking to, I'd probably just go to the park. I would probably go to the park and I would take like a silly instrument and I would just sit there and people watch all day. And I would look out and I would look at, um, I would meditate and watch Mount St. Helens. I think that's the last day. Perfect. How do you begin compiling a list of what it is you like about a neighborhood? How did, what was your process on that? I feel like I've been writing that in my head for many years. And it's not the first time I've written about Woodlawn because I'm so in love, so deeply in love with this neighborhood. So I'm, I walk every day through this neighborhood, through Concordia, through Piedmont. Um, and every day I'm cataloging the new cool things that happened. 
So I've got a constant record in my head of cool new things to check out, cool new things that I have checked out and I can't wait to tell somebody about. And it's constantly evolving and changing. So then it's just a matter of, of taking what you've compiled in your head and then like making sure that you've like made a list. That's actually. it. I do this too. I, I walk through my neighborhood uh, and essentially write little lonely planet guides to, to what you've got to do while you're in, uh, while you're in the alphabet district. What got left out? What do you wish you could have written about Woodlawn that you didn't have space to write? Oh, you know what? There were a couple of things that I left out. So on its northern border, um, we're up against Columbia Boulevard, I believe. So it's not like if you're on foot and you're just kind of like strolling around Woodlawn, you're probably not going to cross Lombard because it's quite the highway. But if you were to and go to Columbia, there is um, a really amazing... Uh, what do you call this? A garden shop? Um, like a, an emporium. Uh, a nursery. There's an amazing nursery. I think it's probably one of the best in the city. And just east of that is a place called Rokes, which I very almost made my favorite dish in Woodlawn, but I really thought that that would be hard for like anybody else in the neighborhood to swallow because it is a... Wait, does Rokes have the hot dogs? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like very that greasy place, spoon. It looks so cool. It's very I, cool. I yes, you have to go and check it out. It is very like vintage 50s diner trapped in the past. Greasy. Oh, it's so wonderful. If you're into that kind of thing. Um, I've been there one time and it was like a decade ago and I loved it. And I, I think about it a lot. <laughs> It haunts you. Yeah. Oh, you get it. A little bit. <laughs> Weird old diners are the kind of things that I, that haunt me. It's not so much the food, although the food I'm sure is, as I recall, was very nice. But it's, it's just these weird little Nighthawks places. That, oh, I love it too. That, that speak to my imagination. Me too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I nestle in there and just spend hours. Um, so, yeah, that was a place that got left out. But it's so off the radar. But now it's on the radar. Hey, listeners, check it out. Well, now that we've had it on the podcast, it's it's going to become like the place. It's going to blow up, of course. Yeah. Just like we're not going to be able to get into Rokes. Oh my gosh, you're welcome, Rokes. And also, I'm. I was such a. I used to gatekeep this neighborhood so hard. People mm. ask me where I live, and I'd be like, "Oh, you you've never heard of it. You wouldn't know of it. You, it's just a north northeast Portland. You don't know." Um, but now I'm, I'm just cool. the, I'm the gates are albums. open. That's great. I need to know more about Urban Kingdom, the t-shirt shop. Yeah, you do. I have driven by it a hundred times, 200 times, and I have never gone in. Uh, what is happening inside that t-shirt shop? Magic. Magic is happening. So it is, it's a print shop. So you go in and they've got a wall full of Technicolor t-shirts, tote bags, hats, and they'll print anything for you and there's no minimum. So you could go in there, say you're shopping for Mother's Day. You could go in there and just get a single piece of art printed on a tote bag for mom. Um, so that's one part of the business. Very, very cool. But the other part of the business is like, I don't know if you've ever been to downtown LA. There's a place, there's an area called the Garment District where everything is just fresh out of the trailers from China. This store has that vibe. It is just a bunch of fast fashion. It's a bunch of really like slutty club clothes. It's 
wild lingerie, it's sky-high heels, it's makeup, costume jewelry. Um, I think they had, uh, like, um, doodads and bibbly-bobbledies for your hair. It's like, yes, it is a print shop, but also, like, if I was a drag queen and I had lost my luggage, I could go there and they would absolutely take care of me for the gig. It's magic! Big thanks to this week's guest, me! And big thanks to this week's guest interviewer, Aaron Mesh. And thank you. I hope you'll join me again next week. Until then, bye!